0: You fall into one of two camps. You either hate Dark Phoenix or you kinda like it. What's up, Story Geeks? It's Jay Shear. On today's podcast, Alan Ng, a film critic and a personal friend of ours from Film Threat, joins Daryl Smith and me to dig deeper into the last in an era of X-Men films, Dark Phoenix. And this just happens to be the last episode in our X-Men series. Be sure to check out all the rest of our X-Men shows if you haven't yet. And coming in a couple weeks, we're launching our four-week Disney series. I'm really excited about that. Don't miss out on those or any future episodes. Subscribe for free on your preferred podcast provider. For articles written by Ashley Pauls, Ashley's been writing some amazing articles recently, and Anthony Holder, and to access all our premium content, including our aftercasts, visit thestorygeeks.com. On today's aftercast, the follow-up podcast to this one, Alan Ng sticks with us to recast all of the X-Men actors and actresses in all new roles. Thanks for listening in. The Story Geeks podcast is produced by the Reclamation Society. Let's dig deeper into Dark Phoenix. Well, this is pretty fun because Daryl has talked about this before in the podcast that we used to work together, and now we work together again just in a very different context. That's true. But we also used to work with Alan Ng. Hey, and it is good to have <laughs> you, sir. it's great, great to be, see be you here. In. Yeah. How I don't know. I don't know how long it's been since we worked together. Oh, but well, it's been let's a while. see. My
1: daughter is 11 now, so nine years,
0: maybe yeah, something <laughs> crazy <laughs> like that. Yeah, I know it's Yikes. so insane. It's been a long time. I don't think she was
1: walking when I when, yeah. I, was, when I left. That's
0: <laughs> true. <laughs> But uh, I've known Alan for a long time because uh, we're both big Disney fans and we're both big geeks. And now he's into tell us what you do. You're you're doing yeah. stuff for Film Threat.
1: Yeah, I'm the managing editor at Film Threat. So nice. um, not only do I write reviews, uh, but I also kind of manage the review content on the website. Uh-huh. And we're we're publishing about three movie reviews every day. Oh, wow. Mostly mostly independent films. Yeah, yeah.
0: Which is which is. Awesome because not a lot of people know what's going on in the independent film market.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, most outlets, they'll cover the big studio stuff. You know, obviously we'll do, uh, you know, the Marvel stuff, the DC. Yeah. But then we're doing the really low budgets, the medium budgets. Yeah. And, uh, you know, these filmmakers, they, uh, most of the time, they're either at film festivals. Or they're on video on demand. Yes. And they just need some kind of love and publicity, even if it's a bad review. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they yeah. especially <laughs> like it when it's a good review. Right, right, right. Are so you w- going
2: to review the new Critters movie? Uh, personally, not, but, <laughs> <laughs> but we will review it. Uh, well, Daryl, you're also here,
0: and you're going to host the show. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the intro. <laughs> <We're passing laughs> yeah, yeah, you stole yeah. that one from Garrett
2: from the, sto- <laughs> the story culture. That's right, that's right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are going to talk about Dark Phoenix. Yeah. The culmination a of controversial our X-Men film. series. Yeah, controversial film. We took a little week off there to talk about Time Slingers, but now we can finish off our <laughs> X-Men that's series. Right, right. Oh, this is the last one? This is it the is. last yeah. one in the series, yeah. I,
1: for the most part, kept up.
2: So The first question I have here is probably the most controversial, Yeah. given all of our opinions, too. So, we, like you said, we've talked about what we think of it. Alan, we don't know yeah. what you think of it yet. Yeah. Well, you what know, did you think of it?
1: Well, you... Dark Phoenix, as the story has a kind of special place in my own in my own life. Uh, when I first started collecting comic books, the first uh, two comics I bought was Rom Number One, mm-hmm. and um, an X Men. I don't know the number, but it was basically the Hellfire Club. Um, and if uh, any of you out there know the X Men saga, you know that the Hellfire Club are the events that lead to the Dark Phoenix uh, uh, saga. Uh, okay. And so that's kind of that's been that's my my jump into comic books. It was just. Uh, how Mastermind and the Hellfire Club had uh, basically screwed around with Jean Grey's mind, and then how she transformed into the Dark Phoenix. Ah. And, uh, and then the, the event that occurred that that caused her to basically die in the comic books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the, the, there's that special place in my heart. And then when I went to WonderCon, I, s- I was at the Dark Phoenix panel, and there was, um, oh, who, why is his name slipping my mind? Who directed the movie? Simon, Simon Kinberg, Kinberg. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. he talked about how he uh, was similar to me, how that how this story was a big part of his life, and he wanted to do it justice. And so I was kind of going in um, with with hope. Yeah. And and I'll say this uh, from two standpoints. One is as an action uh, superhero movie, I really like Dark Phoenix. Yeah. Um, I I gave it a seven, so kind of okay. an average film. Um, but you know, as a, as the Dark Phoenix story itself and and its place in the X Men universe, um, you know, I, I felt it was a little problematic. Yeah. But as a film, I, I I liked it. Yeah.
0: In fact, we had when Scott Nicewender was talking about his ranking, uh, he hated the film because he loves the Dark Phoenix yeah. comics so much. And I get that. Yeah. And I and I didn't see it, so I mm-hmm. had it at number four of, of my X Men, and you did too, yeah. um Daryl. Uh, we had it at number four for our X Men films because I just went into it not knowing the Dark Phoenix mm-hmm. storyline really at all, yeah. and going, I love Sophie Turner. It's at least an entertaining movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it entertained me yeah. Yeah, for, for sure. It's got problems, and we'll we'll get into what some of those problems are. I'm sure, but um, I thought it was really fun. Now, Captain Midnight had the best quote ever, and I put it at the beginning of the podcast <laughs> because he said something along the lines of this.
2: Th- he said something along the lines of like this film. He said, this is a film that will not be remembered in now. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> which is a great
0: quote. And, and, it, and it makes sense because we know that Disney's taking over. Yeah, And so that's basically going to reset everything. They're not going to yeah. go back to any of this. I mean, maybe they'll choose some of the same actors, but as far as like – any of these storylines moving through pretty much is going to be rebooted. So it doesn't matter so much, you know? I mean,
1: it definitely felt like a B-story single comic book issue. Yeah. You know, it's it's like, yeah, it's a part of the X-Men universe, and we saw the story, and now we're going to move on. Yes. Uh, 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 You know, a Star Trek episode. (laughs) (laughs) Right, 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 right.
2: (laughs) Totally, totally. Yeah, so I thought it was good. We all thought it was good. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I actually really enjoyed it. I I think I said in the last podcast that we did that – Twenty minutes in, I was sitting there thinking, "I want to say that I like this, yeah. but I don't want to jinx it." <laughs> <You know? laughs> I yeah. was, I was thinking the
1: same thing all the way through. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm liking this. Yeah, <laughs> you know, what's uh, wrong with me? And, and I will say the, the third act, the, the whole train sequence, probably one of the best X Men yeah, really action cool. sequences. That's really cool. The I've train seen. sequence was great. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's to me, that w- that's the opinion of what I wanted to see in terms of X-Men action. Yes.
0: Yes,
2: absolutely. Yeah. And I have read the original Dark Phoenix story, and obviously it's not faithful. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, you had to kind of go into it expecting mm-hmm. it to not be faithful. This yeah. is the Fox X-Men franchise. <laughs> nothing about it has been faithful. Yeah. <laughs> true. Well, true. then
1: also in the comic, it was... Space-driven. Space
2: yeah, it was so much bigger. Yeah.
1: And and that's something that was never a part of the X-Men movie series at, up until this point. Yeah,
2: yeah. that's a good point. Yeah. 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 yeah, so I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Yeah. Definitely Same. had issues, and like you said, we will talk about yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to get right <laughs> but, into those. Uh, uh, okay, I'm going to go on to my next question okay. here. And this is one that I think has been getting a lot of attention in the Internet world as well, so we'll see what we think of it. But Raven says to Charles at one point, it's funny, I can't actually remember the last time you were the one risking something. And by the way, the women are always saving the men around here. You might want to think about changing the name to X-Women. <laughs> so, Jay, why don't you start? <laughs> Kick it over to Jay. What yeah. do you think of that quote?
0: It is funny because, you know, growing up as a comic book fan and, and loving the X-Men, and not reading a bunch of the comics as much as I've said this a million times on this series, but I mainly watched the TV show. I didn't read as many of the comics. I had never gave it a second thought that it was called X-Men. yeah. like it just didn't occur to me. Uh, but in 2019, um, it does feel a little odd that it was so on the nose with that because like the female characters, I would not, if you would have asked me who were some of the central characters on the X-Men, Rogue would have been right up there near the top because of that TV show, Loved Rogue. So therefore, I loved Rogue, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I didn't make a distinguishing... I didn't distinguish the two when I was a kid. I didn't think like, oh, well, this is like great for males but not great for females. Yeah. Jubilee was a big part of that show. Jean Grey showed up in that show from time to time. But, uh, you know, Storm, Wolverine. You know. Storm. Storm mm-hmm. was great. Um, but I do think it is... I think anytime you look at things in retrospect it you put a certain cultural filter on it for the time of the of of our lives that it occurs in and it is awkward to look back and think that it's just called x-men you know like it's odd it's a strange thing um i think that the the line the way it's delivered feels a little bit like they're placating that particular issue yeah um But I didn't mind it, and actually, it made me pause and go like, oh, yeah, that is kind of weird that it's called X-Men, you know? Um, But I don't tend to think... I like to be a person who... uh, I'm watching The Boys right now on Amazon, and I like the deconstruction of superhero stuff. I like to dig deeper into why we like it, why we dislike it, what it means in our lives. And so I think that... We're always gonna look back at what was done in the '60s and what was decided on by people in the '60s and go like, that's kind of awkward now. Um, so I don't, I'm not necessarily like, oh, we've got to change it tomorrow. But at the same time, it is, it is pretty weird that it's named that. So, yeah. uh, you know,
1: well, I'm looking it up. X Men comic came out in 1963. Yes, yeah, there you go. And uh, if, uh, and if you're familiar with it, uh, Jean Grey was the only female member mm-hmm. of that. And uh, I, I doubt the Avengers were. Maybe the Avengers were around then, and they definitely didn't have a a female character, unless Wasp was there early on. But yeah, I, I don't remember her don't, being a part yeah, of that. I don't either. Yeah, and so yeah, I mean, it was a term that came up in the '60s. It was the copyright registered term. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so it's kind of hard to change it. And then what do you change it to? You know. Um, yeah. You know, and, and what the movie first came out in 2000. So, uh, so you know, that's what people knew. Yeah. And, uh, exactly. this was essentially, uh, X-Men was basically the first team superhero movie. Yeah. And so, you know, that's what people are familiar with. And yeah. So you kinda, it is a cultural term. It you know, is. And it would
0: be interesting to see that the, I glad like you bring that up. Cause it would be really interesting to travel back in time and look at the demographic makeup of people reading comics in mm. the sixties.
1: Yeah. Because, well even seventies, eighties. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. It's,
0: it's, I think that uh, if I had to guess, it would be predominantly young male. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that's
2: still true today. Yeah,
0: yeah. I know that there's a lot I mean, more th- there's females that a, read. A
2: today. giant love of geek culture. Yes, yeah. but the amount of people that actually extend that to going and buying comics and sitting down and reading them. Yeah, probably still mostly yeah. male.
1: I can tell you when I went to comic conventions in the 80s I wasn't there to pick up women. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean not, I mean there were definitely women fans. I, I do right. know like my first comic book store was run by a husband and wife team and the the, the wife was just as much into comic books as, sure, as sure, the husband sure. was. But yeah. again I wasn't there to to meet women either. <laughs> right exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah
0: and and I think the point the point I'm trying to make too is and I think all of us are trying to make is is comics are as much for females as they are for males. I'm not trying to make especially today. Yeah. But what I yeah, especially today. But what I'm just saying is is that if you were writing comics in 1963, mm-hmm. you probably were thinking I'm writing for Billy down the street who's yeah. 10. Yeah. And that's what I'm that's who I'm writing this comic for. Yeah. So then you thought, well what's Billy going to grow up to be? a man, so X-Men, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those things where they probably didn't think much beyond that because they didn't have much exposure beyond that. Yeah,
1: I mean, when I bought uh, the Hellfire Club issue, it was 40 cents. Yeah. Um, That's (laughs) not a lot of money for a comic book. You know, and and they did rely on uh, heavy sales. And so, you know, obviously as greedy as uh, publishing is, they're going to appeal to the group that's going to go out and buy those. And at at that time, it was little boys and uh, teen boys as well. Um, one thing that I'll say about that that con- comment, you know, agreeing with what we've said so far, yeah. the comment when it appeared in the movie felt out of context. Mm. Um, to yeah. to say, you know, I get the part where she says, "When was the last time you were the one risking something?" Yeah, is is true? It, it it's the idea that Xavier sent these kids out to save the space shuttle. Right. But you know, but when she says the women are the ones saving the men, and I'm like, well, I just saw an entire sequence where our, I didn't necessarily see the women do something that the men weren't doing in that mm. in that rescue mission, mm. and so when she says it, uh, th- I have nothing to refer to to validate what she is saying, and that that was my yeah. problem. It just felt like it was. In you fact, know. in
2: that scene, mm-hmm. in space, I seem to remember the one doing the most risking was actually Kurt, wasn't it?
1: Uh, and Quicksilver. He,
2: yeah, they were the ones mm-hmm. jumping out there trying to save. Yeah, guy. Kurt went back twice. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And. Um, and then you know Rogue, uh, well, she was piloting the space shuttle or uh, the the ship the the, the plane, mm-hmm. Mystique, you mean? Yeah, Mystique. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, sorry, Mystique. She was the one piloting the the jet, and giving orders. Yeah. So she was, you know, she was the team leader, definitely. Yeah. But uh, you know, I didn't necessarily see her powers at work. Right, 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 <laughs> right,
0: right, right, right. So maybe another question, a follow up question, would be: Would you change the name now, in twenty nineteen, from X Men well, to something
2: else? okay so let me throw my thoughts out first. yeah yeah, yeah. first of all i've granted i'm on the male side of this so i'm i fit within the demographic of the name already so i recognize <laughs> that right right, right right but uh i've always sort of taken that name as an evolutionary term sort of like mankind okay, you know sure like like and like the apollo landing like one small step for man giantly for mankind like yeah no one's complaining that he didn't say women or womankind. You know, right, it's it's right, like right. it's an all-encompassing we term. Yeah. So that's kind of how I've always taken it. Um, I do like that these movies are seeking to further female representation. Yeah. I'm totally behind that. Yeah. I think this particular effort falls incredibly flat. Because, mm. um, like Alan says, I don't think they supported it mm-hmm. with <laughs> the movie leading up to that point. Right. I think having... The character that we knew was about to die, <laughs> yeah, played by the most checked-out actor in the franchise, <laughs> Saying this. takes a lot of steam away from <laughs> right, it, right, <laughs> right, right, um, right. And so I don't think it, I don't, I think it does come across as just kind of weak and placating, and doesn't really get anything done. Yeah. Um, so
1: you know, I, I'm trying to think in the Marvel universe. What what other hero teams have the name man in it or men? Uh, Avengers. Well, that's you know that could be men and women. Defenders could be men and women. You know, it's just interesting that it's this one. Yeah, yeah, Yeah.
0: it is weird that it's this one. Um, I I would, I don't think I'd have any. See, again, I like deconstruction. I like revisionist. Type things, so I would have no problem if they just rebranded it as something else. Yeah. No, I think that like I wouldn't want them to do it because they got pressure to be PC. Because I'm mm. like, don't, don't just do the PC thing. That's stupid. Yeah. But I think there's a rationale enough to change it. It makes sense to me to change it. So it would be kind of interesting. I mean, what if Disney changes it? I'd be like, okay, I'm
2: cool with that. Well, <clears throat> when I mean when Kevin Feige did the Hall H presentation at Comic Con, yeah, <clears throat> he didn't say X Men. He said mutants. That's now he true. has since, in an interview, said, "Don't read into that." Yeah. Like I, yeah. there's nothing being. D-. He's like, you know, don't <laughs> make a big not deal out of that. Understand the internet? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of course, we're going to read but into it. If you think about it in the context of the MCU, why are they called the X-Men? They're called the X-Men because of Charles Xavier, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And that's called out in the film. Yes, yeah, exactly. Right. Yep. Based on the G-Men thing, right? Yeah, yep. the X-Men yep. instead. And in the MCU, oh, you
0: know, I never made that connection.
2: Yeah. The G-Men mm-hmm. and X-Men. Yeah. Interesting. Well, they say it in first
0: class, too. Oh, do they really? Yeah. I just
2: missed it. And I think there were a lot of other teams
1: that always had man or men in the title. Uh, yeah. That yeah, were yeah. not necessarily
2: comic related, but. Right. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense.
2: The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. They might have been all men. I don't, I don't remember. No, I think there was a token <laughs> female. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just to but, play um, nice. <laughs> <laughs> I do think it would be interesting if the MCU went the mutants route instead of the X Men route. Yeah, and took not so much for gender equality, but to take the focus off of Charles. Yeah, a, and yeah, give yeah. us give us some a break from Charles Xavier. Perhaps yeah. more. Well, th- that Cyclops. goes into
1: the question of if if when mutants come, will it be uh, an Xavier story? Yeah, yeah, and
2: and that's the.
1: What I like is they don't necessarily have to do that. I yeah. know.
2: Totally. Yeah. Totally. And I kind of don't want them to do yeah. that because we've been getting that for... You want them to do a Scott Summers story. Yeah. I do. <laughs> yes. I, know. I want yeah. Scott Summers to get a real movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, one thing you know, like Spider-Man, the Spider-Man series, you'll, you'll notice that they have yet to repeat a villain. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, they're just willing to push and say, we've, we've told yeah. the, the you know, Green Goblin story. Yep. Don't need to do that anymore.
0: You know. That's a great example. And that's really good because yeah. because Batman keeps drawing from the same wells. Joker again, over and over and over. Yeah. yeah. Joker, Joker. Joker. <laughs> now we have two Jokers. Well, <laughs> two different people. Yay. That's right. <laughs> that's what the people want. Oh boy. <laughs>
2: um, speaking of Charles, though. So oh, okay, okay. So you asked, should it change today? Yeah, should it change? Um, I mean, I you kind of th- answered it. You said, let's just call them mutants. Why I, do we have yeah. to call them I anything? think that would be cool. Yeah. Um, I don't. I still feel like the whole evolutionary term thing kind of fits and still is okay. I don't know if there's a lot of I could be totally wrong. I haven't researched this. I haven't sought anybody's opinion, but yeah. I haven't heard a lot of backlash to the name X-Men in the comics. Yeah. No, I haven't I haven't so, either. I haven't heard anybody yeah. complain I about mean, it. I mean, you know, all
1: the all the main stories have always been A versus X always. Yeah. And X X is the letter that signifies mutants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it, it it yeah, again, it depends on what they decide the story they're going to approach with. Right. You know, it, it would seem weird to me to all of a sudden have a movie that starts with a school. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
2: You know, it, it seems like that they they may go in a more,
1: you know, a different direction, a more yes. intriguing direction.
2: I can tell you one way that they could definitely piss people off. What's that? Replace Xavier with uh-huh. Wolverine uh-huh. and call <laughs> the team the W-Men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that'd be bad. That, that, that's a... Definite failure <laughs> out there for sure. That's pretty good. Did you think? Did you just call it that? I <laughs> did, yes. <laughs> then I am impressed. I haven't been stewing on that one all day. <laughs> trust me. Um, okay, so one of the big things in this movie is Charles and the information that he kept from Jean about her father and about her childhood and the struggle about whether or not he was right to do that. Mm. Um, so just real simply here, Alan, we'll start with you. Do you think Charles was wrong to keep the truth from Gene? Yeah, I, this
1: one I'm kind of conflicted. Mm. I mean, in in as a general life principle, <laughs> uh, hiding the truth is generally a bad idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, and especially in movies, when you hide the truth, it is a really bad <laughs> idea. <laughs> yeah. People get killed, and in this one, uh, th- that definitely happens. Um, you know, it, it's just this... Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, the truth will set you free. Yeah. You know, the the sooner you understand the truth about your life, and is the sooner you're able to cope with it. And then when you when you go into adulthood, uh, you've dealt with the issues, and uh, and now this is a part of your life and the fabric of who you are, mm. as opposed to um, you know finding out as an adult, and then uh, and then questioning your entire life before that. Yeah. Uh, there's a movie that just came out, documentary. Uh, called Origin Story, mm. and it's... Um,
2: oh, yeah, about uh, Scott Ackerman's wife. Yeah,
1: Scott Ackerman's wife, uh, yeah. uh, uh, Kulav Velisek or something like that. And, um, and at 14, she in, in a heated family fight, she discovers that her father, the man she knew as her father, was not her biological father. Oh, no way. And um, for her, it was just kind of a complete meltdown moment for, for a teenager. Yeah. And because it, it calls into question her entire life. Right. Her, you know, her relationship with her mother, her relationship with her uh, then father, mm-hmm. um, her sisters who don't look like her. Right. Uh, the, her close uh, family friend who, who sponsored them when they came from Laos. Wow. Um, you know, they were in on the lie too. Yeah. So everyone she's known her entire life had been lying to her up until this point and again that, this is not something you want to put on a person because Th- the thing is the people who are telling the lie after the lie is exposed they're fine right you know they can they can still go on with life yeah yeah it's yeah. the one who just discovered the lie now they have to deal with all the psychological emotional uh, you know stuff that comes around that exactly mm-hmm. and and in this case many people died um, in dark phoenix yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> well, not in not in collapse yeah story. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't think I can disagree with any of that. I think the, you know, the one I think one of the reasons why you probably say you're conflicted, Alan, is that mm-hmm. I think there are, there are times when, it might be healthier to reveal things to people in. Like if that had been revealed to the lady you're talking about mm-hmm. at a different time, not during a fight, not during yeah. this kind of, it might still turn your life upside down, but not in the same way. Yeah. Right? It might. It might. It might you can invite people into the truth as opposed to like clobbering them over the head with it, mm-hmm. which it sounds like she was going to clobbered over the head with it. So I, I, I don't, um, I don't know if, I, I think he's definitely wrong from hiding the truth from her. There's yeah. no question about that. But if there was a point in her life where she literally couldn't deal with what the truth was, I feel like he could have made that easier for her to take. Maybe it's like, let me tell you a little bit about the truth, and then as you get older, I'll start revealing more to you. That seems like it might have been a wise thing to do, but he just doesn't even go there. So I I think that's the problem. I I mean, I'll
1: give you a great example that my daughter is adopted. Oh, yeah. Uh, We adopted her from Korea. Hmm. And from the very beginning, we made sure she knew that. Yeah. That this is not something we were going to sit down at one point and say, hey. Yeah, totally. Totally. there's something we need to tell you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. No, it's just you know, this is this is how our family came together. And she's understood that up until this point. Right. And now she's beginning to question have questions about her, her family, her her birth family and, and the events relating to that. And we're able to talk with her about that in a in a uh, in a non yelling fashion. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. In a non fiery exactly. death for
2: everybody <laughs> yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you're not my real father. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: And that sounds like a really healthy way of doing mm-hmm. it. So it feels like Charles could have done something more that more that way, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think he was trying to protect her, yeah. as a little girl. But at some point, she wasn't a little girl anymore, yeah. and he exactly. should have recognized that. I think he was definitely just afraid of the truth at some point.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I I don't blame him for what he did. Uh, you know, to block the the fact that she. Killed her mother, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that her father doesn't want her anymore, and uh, right. and is basically has has uh, you know in his mind uh, killed her too, right? And right, right. you know that's fairly traumatic, and I don't I don't blame Charles for necessarily doing it, yeah. But yeah, there could have been a better way to expose the lie, right? Exactly.
0: <laughs> well, I think that, that one of the things that this movie does very interestingly uh-huh. is it talks about Charles in a way that. We went back to the to the ex women comment and it feels like Charles in in these films has been pretty patriarchal. But he's not mature enough to be patri- patriarchal. Yeah. We know he's yeah. not mature enough, but he still acts like I, yeah. I've got it all. He acts like the boss in Mad Men, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like yeah. where it's just kind of like well, you're not mature enough to know this, and it's like which is so confusing
2: because at some point he has to evolve into literally a perfect human being <laughs> and that is Patrick Stewart, <laughs> right? Exactly, and he's he's nowhere on that path. <laughs> no, he's not even close.
0: So I think I think it's uh, it's particularly troubling coming from a guy who can't even keep his own life together. Right? Um, and, it, and it does feel a lot more patriarchal. It does feel a lot more... It doesn't feel like wisdom. When you yeah. see old Charles, you feel like, okay, he's doing w- wiser things. Young Charles feels like he's doing things to control other people, mm-hmm. to make them fit the mold that he wants them to fit. And that's just not a good look for anybody. So... Yeah. It yeah. works
2: from that perspective. Yeah, I agree. I do love the struggle of it in this film. I love the scene where um, Hank and Charles are in the, the kitchen, and yep. Hank is pleading with him. He's like, just admit you were wrong, yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's a great scene. That's probably one of my favorite scenes in any of the X-Men films.
0: Yeah, it's a really good scene. I, I, don't know,
2: I
1: Yes, but there's a moment where he, he uh, slams the, uh, the glasses on the table. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, okay. Too far. Yep. He's angry. <laughs> I get
2: it. <laughs> uh, OK, let's talk about Raven a bit. I said before that <laughs> <laughs> it was the most checked out actor in this franchise. Yeah. There's a long troubled history with Jennifer Lawrence in this franchise. <laughs> like she got too famous for it, yeah. but she still has to do it. Yeah. Now she's like not quite as famous anymore, but she's got this one and then they kill her <laughs> off and blah, blah, yeah. blah. Yeah, right, right. But um, so Raven's accidentally killed by Jean very early in this film. In fact, in the trailer for this film, which was a strange choice. Um, And that motivates Eric and Hank to seek revenge against Gene. So um, this is the death of a female character for the sake of the emotional arc of male characters. Right. Which in many circles, especially in geek storytelling, Mm -hmm. is considered fridging. That's right. Which, just as a quick review, for, we've talked about this before, but if people don't know what fridging is, it harkens back to a Green Lantern comic from the 90s when Kyle Rayner found his girlfriend brutally killed and her body stuffed into a fridge only for the sake of advancing his emotional journey. Right. And it's since become a problem in storytelling where... They're just killing female characters for the sake of the emotional journey of the male characters. Yeah,
1: Deadpool 2 would be an example. Exactly, yeah. yes. <laughs> exactly. I, I mean, Daryl, did you see Once Upon a Deadpool? Yes. Okay, so yeah. they actually call it out. Yeah. And yeah. Once Upon a Deadpool. Like, and, uh, it's, it's like, uh, Vin- uh, so you fridged Vanessa. He goes, what? Yeah. <laughs> you literally fridge
0: Vanessa. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious.
2: So my question is, is that what's happening here, or is this something deeper? Mm. It's not. so. Well, we'll just, go say, ahead. I'll just say go for it. It's
1: not, um, uh, you know, it, the the fridging. The term fridging refers to an, an overt act of you know murdering a woman uh, to to uh, set this this the emotional arc of the film. Part of it is this happens halfway through the film. So it doesn't happen in the beginning, and two, um, it, yeah, there's a convenience level that it's it's uh, mystique, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and three, uh, neither had a love affair with her; it was basically a friend who died. Mm. So you literally could have replaced it with Scott, with with uh, some other characters, beloved characters as well, and still gotten the same emotional response. Mm. That's that's my feeling.
0: Maybe at uh, Eric though, because Eric doesn't care about Scott.
3: Yeah,
1: Probably no, not as much. But, but what I'm saying is, uh, you know, it's. It, it, it literally could have been anyone else. It it made the most sense that it was Mystique it. versus any other member of the team that um, that Gene could have killed.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't disagree that it's fridging at all. I, I agree that it's fridging. Is it something deeper? I think, it's, I think only in relationship to the fact that Eric and Hank were the closest to her, and now they're the ones seeking revenge. Could you have replaced her with somebody else and had two other characters seeking revenge? Yeah, totally. Like... Mm-hmm. You um, could have
2: replaced her with somebody else and had the exact same two characters seeking yeah. revenge but in a much more powerful way. Yeah. <laughs> Which character? But it would have been a big move. Which one's that? Charles. Oh, Charles! Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But
1: but I think it, it had to do more with the relationship versus the gender. Yeah. You know. It, you know. The, no one had a, a a romantic relationship with Mystique, but they had a well, a Hank sort of did, kind of. But he it, wanted it, one. Yeah,
2: <laughs> he, has a cr- he has a crush. on her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But
1: but it really it was really the culmination of their personal interpersonal relationship. Yeah. Versus a romantic one. Yeah. You know, I mean, Eric. You know, it was his his friend it, for Charles. It was his his sister basically. Right. You know, and again that, you know, it it and it it wasn't necessarily gratuitous it, that, you know that that event had to happen and you know. Uh, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's why I, I just don't feel like it's it's fridging in mm. the sense of, you know, the the Me Too type um, mm. uh, angle of it.
0: Yeah, I think. So if you're a female fan and you're listening to this, you, I would like to hear your opinion. You can write in the story geeks at Gmail dot com and let me know what you think. Um, I think fridging is a problem. Primarily because it's done so often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not. It's not necessarily like. So, if you said, uh, if you said, we're going to further one character's um, development by taking them through a traumatic event in regards to somebody that they love, that that's not a problem from a storytelling mm-hmm. perspective. That's a way to get a character going along their arc. The problem is, is that it is historically a female character, and the male character. A lot of times, the male character who feels like they were wanting to be a guardian or a protector of that particular female character. Uh, that's the problem is that it's so overdone. It's not that it's like offensive just because it happened. It's because it's offensive because it's happened over and over and over and over and over and over mm-hmm. again. And for, or we talked about, we talked about in the sixties, there probably not being as many female comics fans. Well, as female comic fans have started to, uh, go up in percentage related to male fans. They're looking at the same comics going why do our favorite characters always get fridged? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that's that's the problem, is that they haven't found representation. The only representation they have is getting chopped up and putting in refrigerators. (laughs) And they're going, can you give us somebody that does something better than that? And I think that in this case, Mystique has historically done a lot better than that and been instrumental to the series. So it's not quite like, oh, well, here's a character where we told you the male loved, and therefore... The male's going to be distraught about right. it. This character has a little bit more going for her. She has a little bit more of a background, and so that when she is killed, there's 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 more going on there. I I so I can see that your your argument. I would still probably call it fridging by the definition of the word, but that definition of the word I think is it's not really fair. It's not really totally fair to every story, and so you got to use it kind of. You got to use it carefully. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I don't know that I would necessarily. Say, here's a great example of fridging. Uh, exactly. Dark Phoenix. Exactly <laughs> right. And, and exactly then you right. mentioned one thing. Uh, you know, the, the reason it's a problem is because it's a story trope that's told over and over yes. and over again. But another story trope that's told over and over again of when there's an actor who doesn't want to be in a series anymore, <laughs> they kill off that actor. <laughs> right, 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 right. Unless that actor's name is Harrison Ford.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then they just keep making him yeah. do more stuff. <laughs> that's
0: hilarious. What did no, you think, Daryl?
2: I, I, uh, for the record, I agree. I don't think technically it is fridging here, but it made a good question, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's where I think the danger lies, because I, I, I agree. I think Mystique is a strong enough and important enough character throughout the course of the franchise. Yes. To where that doesn't qualify here, because right. I think her character did have strength. In this film, in and of itself, she does not. Right. So if this is somebody's first X Men film, uh, yeah, then that could be an issue. And one. I think the fact that they put it in the trailers, and sort of sold the movie based on it, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, was yeah. an odd choice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, come
0: see our movie about fridging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So
2: I, and I, I don't think it is. I want to give more credit to Simon Kinberg mm-hmm. than that. Yeah. I've seen so many things where Simon Kinberg is stepping up and saying, "Yep, it's my fault. I take responsibility for." What a for crap X-Tree. show the Dark Phoenix is! And I'm like, <laughs> really? I'm like, dude, don't oh, do dude. that. Yeah, you yeah, made yeah. a good movie. Like, yeah. don't let these people stomp all over you. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. I want him to stand up for himself. Yeah. So I don't think he was seeking to, no. to tell a story about Fridging But I think the marketing, and some of that stuff certainly didn't help right. carry the truth of what they were really trying to do across. Right. 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 Yeah. I, I just uh, just to uh, end it, but
1: it's there's a difference between killing a character and killing a woman. Uh, you know, the, this, is, this is a character that, that they, they chose to die. And, yeah. you know, the fridging just, you know, I, I get it, and I think it's a, it's a bad practice. Yeah. But in order to tell stories effectively, you've got to make extreme decisions like this. Yes. And unfortunately, Mystique is a f- female.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. I thought this is totally off topic, but <laughs> so I saw someone make a, like a collage of how Mystique has looked over the course of the <laughs> franchise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the first film, it's like this massive prosthetics, like really, really well done, heavy makeup job. Yeah, yeah. And in this movie, it kind of just looks like they painted her face blue. Really? <laughs> and gave her a few yeah. freckles. Like oh, no. It's so
1: different. Well, you consider the ex costume is a full body suit. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's like they didn't have to do yeah. all that anymore. And you know, she only used her powers once in the movie. Is that right? Yeah, the, when, when uh, they came back from the mission and they're and the team's in front of the students. Yeah, yeah And yeah. Uh, just before Xavier talks, she turns into normal normal Jennifer Lawrence.
2: Well, Stryker uh, wasn't in this movie, right? And she spends yeah. half the rest of the franchise pretending to be Stryker. So <laughs> it's like, if <laughs> <laughs> he's not in this one, yeah, yeah, what is yeah. she supposed to do? Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, in all the other X-Men films, Charles and Eric's relationship is at the center of the story. And it is here, too. Um, so Jay, we'll start with you on this. But how do you feel their dynamic carries through in this movie, and how do you feel about where their journey ends up at the conclusion? Does it even feel like a conclusion? Okay, I like the dynamic. I've said this.
0: I, I say this almost every episode on this series. My favorite dynamic is when those two are f- like frenemies, where their their ideologies are at war with one another, but they still are sort of friends. Um, that's like the best setup you can have, like two ideologies pitted against one one another like that. Cause both of them make sense in certain contexts and you're, especially when they make Charles more of a bad guy, as opposed to Charles being like the altruistic good guy in, in every case. Um, it's really fascinating. I really like it. I, the, the reality is however this film ends kind of doesn't matter anymore. So yeah. you just have to look at it as like, you said it like a one shot, right? Like mm-hmm. this is a one shot. Did you like it? Did you not like it? And I feel like it doesn't necessarily resolve a lot of things, but it just kind of reminds us that they're gonna stay frenemies, which is essential to their characters. If, if they all of a sudden become just mortal enemies, it doesn't make sense anymore. It's not fun anymore. The, the whole context that this is happening in, it doesn't work the same way. So as long as they end a film playing chess together, I'm cool with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Especially if they're at, kind of at odds with how to deal with the problem, which I think is one of the best ways to treat those two characters. So, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I was preparing for that question, uh, that, was, that was my impetus to go see the movie for a third time. Because uh, um, I couldn't remember what they did together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm like, did I, did I miss something? Because yeah. I remember them playing chess, but – and and then I watched it and realized no I didn't miss anything <laughs> 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 I mean because the two were relatively separate for
2: the majority of the film and right.
1: when they were together it was in an intense situation whether it was right. uh, you know going after Jean at the house or on the train right? in the
2: action scene that Scott Nicewander yeah. said was a super long action scene where people are simply trying to cross the street. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, exactly. 15 minutes. That was yeah. a great scene. <laughs>
1: yeah, and um, you know, if they had a conversation, it was probably just Charles going, Eric, don't! Don't You're better than this, Eric! <laughs> There's good him. in you, I can he feel it. He killed this Yeah, uh, I mean, <laughs> so when you talk about their relationship, I'm like... Yeah, it 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 reminded me just how much I'm not a fan of McAvoy's uh, portrayal of, ah, of Xavier. Okay. I mean, I, I
0: is it more McAvoy specific, or is it more the way that the writers have written? It's the, the way
1: character. it's written. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, I th- he's a good choice. Yeah. Um, you know, he can fake that New England accent very well. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, you know, this this idea, the I I feel like they made him just a little too wimpy, hmm. and then at the same time, I don't necessarily. By the you know the villainous aspect of Xavier in this film, mm. you know the the idea that he would send a team of uh, mutant heroes out into space to save the space shuttle that seems to me what the X Men did. Yeah, you yeah. know that's what I would have read in the comic books. Um, right. You know, yeah, he's trying to uh, bridge that gap between uh, you know Homo sapiens and Homo superiors. Yeah, yeah. You know this is that's he's been trying to do this his entire life. Right. And so they're, they're putting kind of a, a negative spin on that, which I just didn't quite buy in this. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when you ask, you know, the, the, this relationship between Charles and Eric, it, it really didn't exist for me in this film. Yeah. You know, it's dealt much better in the past ones. And, and as for a third time, we'll say, yeah, this, this is that one off issue Yeah. But yeah, we yeah. just didn't need to explore that. And I don't right. think they explored it well. Or, I don't think they explored it in, you know, cause it, probably didn't fall in the storyline. Yeah, overall.
0: you just made me realize something, actually, um, that I had not realized before. And that's a lot of people have talked about, they like showing the weakness of Charles, mm-hmm. especially th- when he's younger, right? And I've liked that too, but it's always made me feel a little bit uncomfortable. And I just realized what it is hearing you talk about yeah. it. It's that I like I like to hear about the weakness of a human being the fatal flaw of a character, if mm. you will. But I don't like for them to try and poke holes at that character's ideology, mm-hmm. associating it with the character's weakness. Yeah. And that's the one problem I would say that Xavier has in these newer films is that he's not wrong ideologically. He's wrong in what in his human failures, trying to accomplish his ideology. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that when we see Fassbender as Magneto, they give him lots of reasons to be the way that he is and so we kind of go yeah magneto's awesome and makes sense whereas you look at charles and you go oh man he's is he doing the right thing and the the answer is no not in these in not in the battles but in the overall war he has the right perspective Mm -hmm. and i didn't realize how much i was struggling with that part of it until you mentioned that so that's cool yeah, there's something wimpy about peace, I guess. Uh, That's right. And, and, and,
2: and quite frankly, we're seeing that. Well, today that is the premise of all superhero stories, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> I know. I mean, we want to get along, but we're not so. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. uh I totally agree with Alan. I don't think their relationship. I wrote the question. Yeah. And I said their relationship is at the center of the story, but I actually don't think it is. Mm. I think. <laughs> They're trying to present it to us as if trick it quest, is. Trick question. Yeah. yeah, wrong. But um, but it really is just a whole bunch of there is good in you, Eric. You know, it's basically like the Luke and Vader relationship yeah. without the. All father, right, we get but, it. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I did really, really enjoy the dynamic of the relationship between Charles and Hank in this film, ah. which I know I've already said that in this episode. But yeah, and I went back and watched all the other X Men films in preparation for our series mm-hmm. after seeing Dark Phoenix. Yeah. And that's part of what I looked for, is that this one reminded me of the coolness between Charles and Hank. And I went back and watched all the other ones with that frame of reference. Uh, And you really see it really well in Days of Future Past, too. Mm. Especially when Logan first comes to find Charles and kind of where Hank and Charles are at now. Yeah, Super interesting. Yeah, But yeah, it doesn't feel like this really does conclude Charles and Eric's story. Partially because, obviously, I don't, I don't think they believed they had to at the time mm-hmm. <laughs> when they were making the movie. Yeah. Um, and I guess my point is, it should never
0: conclude. Like, as soon as you conclude Charles and Eric's story, you take away a lot of... If you don't give sub-characters their ideologies to wrestle with, mm-hmm. it's not fun anymore. Is yeah. it? Well, I guess it's not. It's, it's fun. It just doesn't have the same weight to it. Yeah,
1: yeah the comic books have always dealt with that. Exactly. You know, it's like one moment uh, Eric's good; yep. he's running the X Men. At the moment, you know, he uh, he snaps back into his old ways. Right.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
2: <laughs> I don't know though. Knowing that this was the last one, I think yeah. I would have liked to see some more of a conclusion. Because hmm. normally I would agree with you. I think if you have a dynamic between two characters that yeah. that feeds into your storytelling so well, yeah, you don't want to conclude it. Yeah. But sometimes there come points, usually when it's forced. Yeah. Like in this case, this was the last film another one that's fresh in my mind because I just watched it today, and go with me on this because yeah, it's yeah. not going to sound like a good <laughs> argument to begin with, but is Fast and Furious 7. Okay. So, And no matter what you think of those movies, I love those movies. I, recognize, yeah. I, know, I know they're ridiculous, but I love them. No matter what you think of them, this is the film in which Dominic Toretto and Brian O'Connor's story concludes. That's right. Because Paul Walker died during the production of it. Right. And they chose to end his story in a happy way rather than just killing him off in the movie and stuff like that, which was beautiful. But, and I actually really, really like that. Ah. I know it was forced upon them, but I think from a storytelling perspective, they did a really good job with it. So I think it can be done well. Oh yeah. So don't get me wrong. It can
0: be done well. I don't know if it could have been done well in this film. Like for example, I think it was done well with Tony Stark. Yes. Right? Like he concludes really, really Why? well. What happened to Tony Stark? <laughs> no, no. Yeah, every, dude, are we you, spoiling it? <laughs> We're spoiling <laughs> everything always. About? Um, I think that that's done well. Did you guys really, see really Endgame well. yet? <laughs> By the way, it came out on digital, I think, today, didn't it? What did? Uh, I'm just uh, kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my my point being that uh, that was the MCU. It was leading up to that. There was sure. a bunch of backstory. You could ar- you could almost make the argument that every single X-Men film is a one shot. <laughs> it's like yeah. they're not really tied together in in like a super cohesive. The right. two most tied together films are probably X-Men and X2 or First Class and Days of Future Past. Yeah. Yeah. I mean other th- other than that it's just a bunch of random X-Men films. Yeah, I
2: mean I, I will say this uh, For people that don't age from 10 years to 10 years in <laughs> <to> 10 years. <laughs> right right right. I mean I-, I will say that
1: I don't think People thought that this was the last X Men movie. Yeah. I, I think the only certain thing was Jennifer Lawrence wasn't coming back. Yeah. Um, because you know the Disney deal really didn't get serious until clearly the film was in post production. True. And they got that. They probably. I wouldn't be surprised if that last scene was added at the end.
0: Oh, maybe. Um.
1: But you know, so I, I don't necessarily know that you could say, well, it's the last one. They knew it was the last one. Right, I, right, right. No, I, I don't, don't think they did. Yeah. I think
2: they were hopeful that. But we knew it was the last yeah, one. Yeah, when we I were mean, watching it, yeah. Yeah. we
0: knew. Yeah, we were aware. Mm-hmm. This is all it's going to be until Disney gets a hold of it.
2: Yeah. What's up, store geeks? It's Jay.
0: New this week, the Kindle version of Time Slingers, the time travel novel written by me and illustrated by Nathan Check, is now available on Amazon.com. And special thanks to all the folks that have been reviewing it and purchasing it. If you haven't purchased it yet, please do so now. It's only 99 cents on Kindle for a limited time, and it currently has 4.5 out of 5 stars from over 45 reviewers. It's even been flirting with being in the top 100 time travel and alternate history books on Kindle. If you're looking for a fast-paced time travel adventure story, check out Time Slingers. It's only 99 cents on Kindle for a limited time. Like I said, please go buy it and then give us a review. It's really important that we hit 100 reviews and we're almost halfway there. The link to purchase Time Slingers is in the show notes. Special thanks to everyone who has supported this release. We really appreciate you.
2: Originally, my next question was going to be, how do you feel about Jessica Chastain's villain, Vuk? I think I'm going to reword it to, do you feel about Jessica Chastain's <laughs> villain, Vuk? Well, here, I'll, uh, I'll give you a little history. All right. So Good. because I got to see it for a third I time. I wasn't aware there was some. Yeah, <laughs> actually, well, <laughs> this is going
1: to be interesting uh, because I did get to see it for a third time in a theater that had nobody in it. I was able to take notes. And um, in the beginning of the film, she talks with her other alien brothers, and they, she talks about being from the Dabari Empire. Oh, yeah. And um, if you are familiar with the Dabari Empire, which I was not until I looked it up. Um, <laughs> Dabari I empi- still am not. Yeah, so <laughs> the uh, Dabari Empire, the home world, was uh, a moon that uh, when Jean Grey went full Dark Phoenix, that moon, Jean Grey basically destroyed that moon mm. and uh. destroyed the entire Dabari Empire. Uh. And so these are the aliens from that empire. Okay. So, uh, just uh, just a little comic book background, A little backstory, yes. yeah, yeah. A little backstory. And and how consequential was that to this movie? not, not much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, clearly the character of Luke, uh, which is a comic book character, it is, um, yes, ah. and uh, it's um, yeah, no, it was a device to tell the Dark Phoenix story, basically. Yeah, because this is the first real introduction of aliens mm-hmm. into the X-Men and, and conveniently this is a, a, an alien that sucks the essence out of people, mm-hmm. which is fits in line with the storyline of what they're trying to tell with, with Dark Phoenix.
2: Definitely is an alien that sucks. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean the reality is I think Jessica Chastain is a great actress. Um, but this is kind of for me, what Kate Blanchett was to Thor Ragnarok, you know, is it was, it was kind of like a disappointment because you know somebody has the ability like you look you take a, you take Jennifer Lawrence, right? Who just doesn't feel like she wants to be there at all. You contrast that with like Sophie Turner, who is amazing in this film, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. And then you look at J- Jessica Chastain and you go, "Oh, obviously she's going to be more Sophie Turner," right? And I do think that she actually cared about it. When she was doing press, press tour stuff, she seemed like she really cared about this character. But
2: there's nothing to care about in the film about this character. I think, literally, she didn't know who her character was <laughs> going to be when the movie came out. Yeah, because she had no idea. I don't how think many she shot the they movie did as stuff? Vuk. I think they changed that mm, yeah, <laughs> personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's I, very possible. I mean,
1: it did surprise me as the movie was going on that, oh, this is the role they gave Jessica Chastain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. You know, exactly. I mean, you literally could have given that to. Uh, an up-and-coming actress, totally, um, like Kate Blanchett. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, yeah, like you
0: said, Could've I been just a feel hell like of a good <laughs> time, a hella good, oh, hella good uh, time. Man,
2: uh, sorry, that man. one <laughs> not so good. <laughs> no, people, not, people. Mm. I mean, I will say,
1: I did like uh, Kate Blanchett as in her hella good role. Well,
0: I did too, but I, I I like her in the role, but they didn't give her much to do. Yeah, I felt like. Well, yeah. And I, you know, if you know you're gonna have an
1: actress for one film, yeah, yeah, so why not put her in a good meaty role and kill her off at the end?
0: <laughs> you know, I, I'm always for meteor yeah. roles, it's whatever just, the case. It's
1: just this one was, I, and there was at least some meat to, to Hella as well. This one is just again to serve the the plot of the overall other yeah. story. Yeah, because this is really not about the aliens. This is about no. this is yeah. about Jean Grey. This exactly. is about her adventure. Exactly her ch- transformation. Right, and so yeah, it just felt like yeah. If you are going to get some of the quality, Jessica Chastain, yeah, you know, this is not this is not what I would have thought. She must have done it for a favor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Someone on that cast or crew must have been a really good friend.
0: <laughs> Probably. Yeah. I, I will say though that just just in the comparison to Ragnarok, I don't feel that like that movie is about Hela either. I feel like it's about it's about Thor getting away from the Grandmaster, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, but like Hela is just like a. Almost like a side quest the by thing, the end of it.
1: But the thing was that was a meaty role. I mean, it, that was there was there was you know depth in that character. Yeah, that this one clearly didn't. Oh, have. this
0: yeah that there's no depth in this character yeah. whatsoever, um, which is a bummer because like you yeah. said, Jessica Chastain. To the to your point, Jessica Chastain, great actress, could do yeah. amazing things in a comic book role. Maybe we should cast her in some other roles on the aftermath. Maybe we will. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't write that one. I I actually,
2: I was really frustrated with this because I love Jessica Chastain (laughs) and I actually really enjoyed watching her in this movie. Yeah. I thought her performance was actually really cool and really interesting and really eerie. Sure. It's just the character meant nothing to me. Right it's just there yeah. was nothing behind it. Yeah. And so it was doubly frustrating because I'm like, well, I'm enjoying watching her do her job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's pointless. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. Right, I mean,
1: exactly. there's that moment where she's talking with Jean <sighs> about, you know, the the potential of her power and I, I just felt like that should have been deeper and and richer that yeah. that discussion. And um I mean, she did a great job with it, but it it you know, again, yeah. it's just that role.
2: Yeah. And again, the marketing, like they marketed her mm-hmm. I thought it was Emma Frost Jessica Chastain yeah I thought it was Emma Frost for a moment there which would have been cool to have a third actress play Emma Frost in the (sighs) X-Men films franchise but But at least Emma (laughs) Frost would have made sense in the Dark Phoenix saga yeah that's true and they were so mysterious about who her character was in the marketing they were like Jessica Chastain in a mysterious role yeah yeah so you yeah. built it up in your mind you're like oh what's it gonna be it's like, Vook oh yeah. <laughs> it's nothing even we don't know <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's look. <Vuk. laughs> come on guys <laughs> nerds come on Look. <laughs> um all right speaking of characters let's talk about the other characters which characters do you think get the best story get the best arcs in this film and which ones do you think are the most underserved hmm um, Alan, why don't you? Kick Clearly,
1: off? it's Jean Grey. <laughs> is, in terms of the best best story in the film, I mean that's it's her story. But I will say this: um, you know, the reality is is that Jean Grey, Scott Summers, Nightcrawler—they were all introduced in Age of Apocalypse, which was the movie before this one. Mm. And so, my frustration was, you know, the Scott Jean, you know, the Wolverine triangle there. Well if you take the scott and jean t- aspect of it it really hadn't been that developed at all you know it just shows up in this movie as the two of them you know in a relationship mm. and uh, you know at that point it's like you know i just don't feel it i don't i don't feel that these two are well it's you know, been
2: 10 years since the last one didn't it look like it <laughs> yeah, absolutely yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah i mean i mean Scott still looks like a kid. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. So in terms of the best story, I mean, Gene. I mean, I think Sophie Turner was, was great in the role. Yeah. Um, I think she knew what... You know, it was is a lot of it was on her yeah. a, and her emotional transformation and then really the supporting characters around her to, to you know, to uh, create that, you know, build that arc there. On the other hand, Scott, I mean, you know, Scott... You know, I guess comic fans have this love-hate relationship with Scott Summers. I mean, they, they really love to hate him. And this one just doesn't do him that much good. I mean, even as a leader, you know, people can't stand Scott Summers as, as the leader of the X-Men, but he is. And this one, they just didn't really develop him at all. And, mm. you know, it was he was the boyfriend. And, uh, again, I, I didn't quite get it. Um, and if I were to go to some other minor character, I, I, I like – I finally – liked seeing nightcrawler uh, nightcrawler was mm. probably my favorite x-men you know as a kid and to find you know alan cummings was good but he wasn't in it much yeah and this one you see him a little bit more and then you know and then when he becomes this little rage monster at the end
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: you know at least you know that's good i got my nightcrawler fix yeah in this yeah, one. yeah yeah i would agree sophie turner makes the role compelling to me Uh, I don't know that a lot of other actresses could have made this role as compelling as Sophie Turner made it too. I really enjoyed seeing her in this this role in this film. Um, So that's one of my favorites as well. I could watch... I can watch uh, Fassbender in a terrible movie. Apocalypse is a terrible movie. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) The more I think about it, the worse it gets. (laughs) But uh, I could still watch him just be Magneto and be uh, pretty satisfied with his performance. Cause he's just so, he's so there with it. Um, so I think he actually had, has it the story's not even really about him, but whenever he's on screen, I'm just compelled. Like when he's, I said this, I said this before, but when he's pulling the, um, the helicopter and Jean is like trying to mess with the helicopters, he's just so into standing in a field with a bunch of extras around. Acting putting like his he's, arms out. yeah, putting his <laughs> arms out, and yeah. you're like, this guy cares enough yeah. about this stupid-looking thing that he's doing that it sells it. I totally <laughs> believe that he's fighting yeah. her for a helicopter that doesn't exist. You know what I mean? Um So I love that. I love the fact that at the end he p- puts up all the guns. He's like controlling all <laughs> the guns in the train. Amazing. Um, so, but uh, of course. There's a lot of underserved people. Scott Summers, like you mentioned, <laughs> yeah. is underserved. I, I, I agree with Alan um that I really liked Nightcrawler in this film. I actually really like that actor as Nightcrawler too. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. I know that um uh, I think it was Captain Midnight that was saying that he really liked the Alan, Co- Alan Co- Cummings. Co- and Co- yeah. I'm not I'm not I don't hate that or anything, but I just like this yeah. this kid fits it better for me for whatever reason, right? Um so I, I like that. Yeah, but underserved. I mean, there's a lot of underserved. I mean, no, no, no one's further underserved than Jessica Chastain's character. <laughs> <laughs> but we've already talked about that. So, and you
1: it, didn't necessarily want a full backstory on Vuk.
2: <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> what do you? What did you think? Um, I a little different. Okay. My favorite is Hank. Oh. Ah. Um, I really enjoyed Hank's journey. I wish they would have played it up a little bit more. Yeah. But I'm much more fascinated by him going through something that is so painful. Yeah. Recognizing that Charles is partially to blame for it. Yeah. And that actually driving him to seek out Charles's enemy and join ranks with him. Yeah. to seek revenge on Jean. Yeah. It's very very outside of Hank's usual controlled nature. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. And I thought they led up to it well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, obviously, this is Jean's story, and she does get the biggest arc. Yeah, I have a slightly different perspective on it. I never watched a single minute of Game of Thrones, so oh, I yeah, don't yeah, have yeah. any pre-existing Sophie Turner love. Okay, um, I've never seen her in anything other than the X Men movies. Mm. Um, and I one thing that bugged me a bit in this movie, and I think it's bugged me about everything that they've ever done with Jean in any of these movies, yeah. is they focus so heavily on how damaged she is yes. and how out of control she is. Right. And the thing that I've struggled with throughout all of these movies is we've never seen her in control. We've never seen the other side of that. Uh. So we don't care about it. That much. It doesn't mean as like much I. It doesn't hurt me to see Jean go through this, because I've never seen Jean not going through something. Yeah, you, I, you know the what I Sophie
1: mean? version of Jean or any Jean of it, I really. Know,
2: okay. I mean, I'm. This I think this was the best representation of it. Certainly better than what they did with Famke Jansen. Yeah. But even still, in this one, I'm like, I know she's in pain. Yeah, the story's heartbreaking. She killed her mom. Terrible. Her dad doesn't want her. That's horrific. I can't right. even imagine that as a parent. But um. I've never seen her whole. I've yeah. never seen her doing well. Yeah. So I don't have the contrast. So like,
0: like we've seen Patrick Stewart be the wise Xavier. Yeah. So yeah, it, makes, yeah, yeah. it makes it interesting and to see him. And we've seen Magneto be a full-blown one. villain. Right. So to see
2: him struggle with morality is right, interesting. Right, 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 right. I got but you. But to me it seems like Jean has always just been this frail, can't handle the power inside her kind of character. Yeah. And that's just not every version of her that i've read in the comics granted i haven't read a lot of x-men comics sure but i've read enough to see her be a very strong very powerful character even leading the x-men at some points yeah and so i just kind of want that other side of the mirror you know so that's not to say that her character was underserved in this movie i think that's just something that i'm missing from the franchise as a whole
1: got it it's funny you say that because she in the comic she dies in 1980
2: which, uh, which predates a lot of people except me. But they brought her back in the 90s with the Chris Claremont stuff, with Jim Lee. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, she's died and come back I mean, is that 732 the, uh, times at this y- point, yeah. I think. <laughs> but, yeah, but, I mean, that's, I mean,
1: we'll pr- it kind of goes in the next question, but um, it's, it's one of the themes of, you know, when a, when a hero becomes too powerful, Mm. You know, uh, you know. I mean, essentially, Jean Grey is Marvel or Captain Marvel. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. She's just a little too—she's incredibly powerful, the, the power yeah. she has. And, and what do you do to contain that? Or should any person, one person, have that kind of power? And what do you do with yeah.
2: that? Yeah, but that's a good point. Like, we've seen—look at Brie Larson's Captain Marvel mm-hmm. in the MCU— how interesting would it see be to see something like this happen to her? Yeah. Now that right. we've seen her so confident and so in control. Because they
1: they are essentially in a way just just as powerful as you know I mean two really super powerful women. Yeah. And um, and one is taking a positive spin on it. One's taking the negative spin on it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like yeah, it's, it's full Superman level powers. Mm-hmm. I would say even Jean Grey seems even more powerful than that. Yeah. Yeah. Just some of the ways. Yeah, the telekinesis. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Add that to the mix. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
2: And I agree. I think Scott... Is definitely underserved in this movie. He's underserved. <laughs> How do you feel about s- Scott? Oh. <laughs> <The X-Men. laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Sadly, yeah. though, I think he's treated the best in this movie out of the entire yeah. series of films. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which yeah. is such a sad thing to <laughs> say. I just don't
0: want to see this actor in a set of <laughs> glasses anymore. Uh, <laughs> it was Ready Player One, and now it's I this. Know. He's yeah. always like, I gotta ask some. And we
2: glasses. never get
1: to see his face. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. gonna be this generation's Jordy LaForge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's exactly Finally right. we <laughs> found him <laughs> That's
2: awesome uh, uh, Okay we started to drift in this a little bit <laughs> So let's just go ahead and go for it So we, like we said before This movie depending on what happens with the new mutants I don't think we're ever going to see that But this is most likely the end of this franchise mm. So um, let's look back a little bit At the whole franchise Now that we're at the end of our series as well So what aspects of this franchise Will you guys miss What could have been done better what else would you have liked to have seen? Um, Alan, why don't you start this one, especially with your comic book <laughs> yeah. knowledge?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, again, the, the the first series of movies, you know, that's that's the first time you saw a superhero team in, in films. Yeah. And... Um, which, and for
2: some reason, at the time, seemed like an impossible thing to yeah. do. Yeah,
1: I mean, did that come out before Spider-Man or or after Spider-Man?
2: I think it was before. Forces. This was '99, and yeah, I think so Spider-Man was 2000. Okay,
1: so Spider-Man made great use of CG at the time, and and this one didn't have that, um, didn't have the technological capabilities mm. that. So there's still a lot of practical effects there, and and I kind of like that. You mm. know, I'm, you know, I I big fan oh. of the original Superman and
2: spider-man was 2002 so okay year gap yeah
1: yeah and so you know I guess my heart really lays with that that first uh, series mm. um, because you know it was it was fairly groundbreaking and and it was the first time it was like oh yeah this is this is the x-men in a movie yeah and uh, and I kind of in a way I kind of miss it even though Marvel's kind of killing it with a lot of Characters I never thought I'd see in a movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I never thought I'd see a great rendition of Mysterio, but there it is. <laughs> 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 you know, um, but at that time it was like, yeah, this is this is the X-Men I, I grew up reading. Yeah. You know, all the characters are there. And, and, you know, the only downside was technology wasn't at the point where they could have done a lot of these powers better. Right. You know, and so that's kind of, th- th- there's a level of nostalgia that I have for that one that, you know, that I I haven't felt in a while, you know. Uh, even though Marvel kills it with storytelling, you know, you know, just kind of connecting to my childhood is is not, you know, it's kind
0: of there, but not not yeah. as well as X-Men was.
1: Yeah, I can totally see that.
0: Um, I'm going to miss, the biggest thing I'm going to miss is Fastbender's Magneto. I am conflicted on McAvoy's Xavier, <laughs> but I'm, I, I, it's almost like, I don't know if I've said this before, but I almost wish we could see Patrick Stewart as Xavier and Fastbender, like, mm-hmm. age yeah. <laughs> as Magneto. <laughs> um, that I'll miss that dynamic a lot because I still feel like the the MCU manufactures buddies who are upset with each other, <laughs> where this is like true ideological differences, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, and so I, I'm, I'm going to miss that dynamic, especially if they do go a different direction and they kind of just like put the Charles and um, Eric stuff aside. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss that. Um, I think what could have been done better, it's only I think it's only easy to see what could be what could have been done better looking now at what the MCU has done. Because the X Men was the franchise, right? Yeah. Like like yeah, you get you had the, the, the Dark Knight trilogy and you had, you know, a couple of Snyder films that were pseudo related. And you had like you had some of those things going on. But but we had we now have an example of twenty two films That all match up really well to the point where we can pick apart whether or not the timeline is is perfectly (laughs) accurate, which is insane because this is nothing comparative to that in terms of cohesiveness. Right. So it's hard. It's hard not to like point to that, but I don't think that's really fair. Because they were playing in a with a in a different game on a different ball field, and they were the first, and they were the first, <laughs> and they were the first, right? This is, this is the first real
1: Marvel movie at, at that point. Exactly. I mean, Hulk. I, was there a Hulk movie at that
0: time? No, know. not not in 1999. Or, was yeah. there Daredevil and yeah. Ghost Rider? When did oh, those Daredevil De- Blade, Blade, Daredevil, Blade, Blade was good. Yeah,
2: Blade was good. It wasn't bad. very comic booky, but it was good. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. But, so I think
0: yeah. there's there are other things that I would have liked to have seen. I would have liked to have seen again '90s comics fan '90s cartoon fan. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of maybe those storylines. A lot more. We got to see the Sentinels, but not in the way that yeah. I would have thought we were gonna see the Sentinels. I didn't hate it, but I would have loved to see like a couple films, like maybe a Sentinels trilogy would have been cool. <laughs> uh, so something like that. But but again, I think it's easy to criticize these films in retrospect but these were fantastic when they were coming out
2: and it's, yeah. so it's 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 easy to criticize now but i that's yeah. where i'd stop and some of them are still fantastic sure like i would say that first class yep. and days of future past mm-hmm. and logan, logan. I mean, those are fantastic those three are films those are fantastic
0: films no question
2: um so yeah i agree i think fastbender is a big thing that that i'll miss although now i'm excited to see him go do something else yeah you know yeah um what could they have done better do i need to talk about scott more <laughs> <laughs> what did you what how do you feel about scott i think they did great <laughs>
0: they castrated him is what you said yeah. <laughs> neutered i said neutered, neutered. <laughs> yeah i mean i both I, I,
2: I don't even give them the credit of making him be a human just <laughs> neutered they treated him like a dog yeah i, mean, yeah, I, yeah. I
1: always loved scott early on i mean yeah. you know he he loses his girlfriend um jean gray and you, know, you, you have deep sympathy and the way he was developed in the comics. And here he's just, you know, some punk.
2: It's yeah, <laughs> terrible. Yeah, um, it is bad. It's really it bad. It is terrible. Um, I mean, there's a whole bunch of characters that they never touched on that would have been cool to see. Yeah. I am I would have loved to have seen Cable treated differently. That's one of my big frustrations about this franchise, is I think Cable was wasted as part of a Deadpool film. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, there's yeah. so much more to Cable than just an angry Ryan Reynolds foil you know <laughs> like, like we could do so much better than you know, that.
0: you know that made me think I know a lot of people liked the portrayal of Rogue in these X-Men films but I did mm-hmm. not because I was thinking of her as the more mature Rogue who yeah. is yeah. kind of like helping out all of the new mutants that join the team she's yeah. always there to like help them out mm-hmm. like that's the role I kind of see Rogue in um coming from again the cartoon and I just did not like Anna Paquin and that whole vibe. Like, it just didn't appeal to me at all.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. You're kind of going off the rails a little bit in terms of you know off of its original storytelling and yeah. you know, I mean at that time Anna Paquin was the only Academy Award winner uh, in yeah, the X Men. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, you know, I mean, really, Kitty was the was that role. Yeah. Yeah. That should have been that role. and yeah. You know, and if I were to recast, you know, Jennifer Lawrence probably would have been a better Emma Frost and probably mm. would have made more sense yeah. in terms of her popularity and, and fitting within the series if, yeah. if it kept with Emma. So, here's the question: if you want to me. feel
2: real quick, if you want to feel yeah. a little bit better about Rogue, yeah, you should watch the Rogue cut of Days of Future Past. Yeah, I should not yeah, see that
0: one. Yeah. Um, so, I have a question, Alan, for you guys, because I didn't read as, as many of the comics. um, is Mystique as utilized in the comics as she is in these X Men films?
2: Not in nearly the same way.
1: <laughs> well, she's she's never. I can't remember a time she was ever good. Uh, yeah, she's always okay. been a she, was always, she was the leader of the Brotherhood of uh, Evil Mutants.
2: And is she Nightcrawler's mother in the comics? Uh, sometimes, she is sometimes not.
1: Yeah, sometimes, sometimes not. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember now because um, it flip flops between her and Emma Frost a lot. Oh, um, but I wasn't. I think didn't uh, Mystique and Wolverine have a kid? Oh gosh! Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to. <laughs> I'm trying it's to remember the most screwed up kid. I ever. know, <laughs> 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 or something yeah. like that. Or was it her and Xavier? It might have been Mystique and uh, you know one of these weird timelines. Or yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, she was always the villain. Mm. I can't ever remember her the good. Yeah, because Emma Frost winds up taking leading
0: the the school. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, because I just never could get on board with the. I felt like Mystique was always overutilized. It yeah. was kind of like, oh, Mystique's in this again, and she's really popular. Like I don't understand this because yeah. this yeah. character doesn't. I don't have a frame of reference for this character. Now I will say, in the in the in the movies where it did feel like Jennifer Lawrence cared about the role, I thought she did a really good job, and that was really interesting to me. But just so much utilization of a character that i didn't have any familiarity with was confusing
2: mm-hmm. i have a feeling that if jennifer lawrence didn't blow up yeah if the hunger games thing didn't come along then it wouldn't have been so prominent uh i think after first after, after first class they might have downplayed her character more got it got it got it got it yeah makes sense
1: although they give her a meaty role right off the bat as you know basically uh uh, Xavier's sister. Uh, it's yeah. true, yeah. yeah. Adopted sister. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The puppy they took in.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <covered> <laughs> <the> <laughs> right, <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> uh, that was the last question I had Yeah. before we move on to the aftercast. Is there anything else you guys have been wanting to say that I didn't set you up for? Well, that, I mean, the thing about X-Men was,
1: you know, th- it was an allegory of basically the racial yeah. racial injustice, racial inequality of the 60s. And... Um, it's kind of weird. in In a way, it might have succeeded. In a way, it hasn't. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I think we're still seeing parallels even today. Yeah. Um, and that is something uh, they touch on, but I don't know that. I think that's why I appreciate most about the X Men comics is that they delve a lot deeper into that than than the movies did. That's a great point.
0: Yeah. I would love to see a movie that uh, dug into that a lot deeper. That would be really really cool. Yeah.
1: And it was always done at the macro level, as yeah. opposed to you know. The, the individual lives of these characters. Right, right,
0: right. You know, yeah. Can't always fight the government. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Alan, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, Film Threat, what you guys are up to again, and point people to a place where they can find out more.
1: Yeah. Uh, Film Threat, just uh, come on over to FilmThreat.com. We uh, review uh, independent films. We have features, interviews with independent filmmakers. Uh, we review everything. Uh, so if, if any of you aren't there, are independent filmmakers, uh, and want to get your film reviewed? You know, send it our way. We are Rotten Tomatoes approved. <laughs> so, nice. you know, if if we're the only review and we like your movie, you're 100 on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> so, there you go. Yes. So that's <laughs> Filmthreat.com, and then you can also reach me at mypalal on Twitter.
0: Well, that's it for today's show. Special thanks again to Alan Ing from Film Threat for joining us. That was the last episode in our X Men series. Hope you enjoyed our X Men series. If you haven't listened to all the episodes, go back and listen to all of our other episodes covering the X-Men. We did a lot of really cool shows with some great guests. And coming up in a couple weeks, Disney movies. You don't want to miss that. We have some awesome guests lined up for that as well. Subscribe on your preferred podcast provider to make sure you don't miss any upcoming shows. If you enjoy the Story Geeks podcast, please share our show with a geek friend or review the Story Geeks podcast on Apple Podcasts. We are going to start recording our aftercast, so I hope you'll join us for that as well. We'll be talking about recasting all the X-Men actors and actresses, since they uh, no longer have jobs, casting them in other superhero roles. Get more information on our aftercast and all of our other content over at thestorygeeks.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, question everything in your favorite geek stories, and always seek the truth. Special thanks to these amazing people who help us produce the Story Geeks podcast by supporting us on Patreon. Anthony Holder, Adam Vargas, Bob Sherfield, Brianna, Bryce Cox, Connie Moe, Jessica Pritchett, Jim and Mary Baldwin, Joshua Beckham, Jeremy and Kimberly Lujo, Julian Armstrong, Monty Thigpen, Nathan Miller, Nick Prokop, Ray DeLeon, Rondell Dobard, Samuel Peloquin, and Wade Johnson. To gain access to our aftercast and unlock more Patreon rewards or just to support the show, please head over to thestorygeeks.com for more information. And again, you might want to consider purchasing Timeslingers. I think you'll really enjoy it. Thanks.